Hey everybody, welcome to Public Access America's Just the Tip. These things are like famously just popular somewhere, I'm sure. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, <laughs> just the Tip. I, I would say... Um, I'm going to I'm going to go with uh find a way to be lazy and have the choice that you don't want to make ready for you. Um and that's and that's something that I'm working on where it's like, you know, I've I've gotten used to the convenience of like you like we talked about all of these different options and choices available to me, but they're not great options. So it's like, you know, I'll make I'll make a decision now, this is what I'm going to do and then make it make it lazy for myself so it's like all right cool this is right here and ready for me right and and have the better choice available it is time now for something positive we might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Of conscience. Because conscience. that is how it works. This is the beginning. It is not the finale. And that's why we're here. And that's why we rally, 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 rally. And we've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. Find a way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. Wow. Hi, Dan. Hi, folks. How's it going? Good. I had this great opening for this show, and I didn't know if I could do it because you were coming in an hour late. But I wanted to be like, hey, Public Access League, thanks for joining me here in Orlando. <laughs> love it. I love it. Because I can't, I can't get past the point that, you know, when I thought about it, you, Dan, you totally have my Superman vibe going on there, you know, and Jeffrey, I'm sorry. I can't get past Aquaman with you and Karen. I don't want to judge well, a stereotype, but you are what I would want in a wonder woman. You know what I mean? And just, leaves, it leaves me as Batman arranging all this. So, okay. okay Jason, funny enough, like uh, <laughs> the old English, old German pronunciation of my last name is Sevarta, which meant guardian of the sea. Perfect. Really? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's perfect. So, so I'm like, oh, oh man, God. really? And I'm like, okay, that actually somewhat makes sense, and I hate it. It does. And you can't tell me that if Karen walked into a school and said, I'm Wonder Woman, you wouldn't listen to everything she had to say. She's mm-hmm. just that positive and insightful. And Dan, come on. You swoop in. You you stood in front of the Capitol when we needed it. You went to Pennsylvania and tracked when we needed it. You're going all over the country in hot spots when we need it. That is the definition, definition of Superman. Aww. And if I didn't want to be equivalented to the lawnmower man, I'm just going to go with Batman. <laughs> well, you are running all the tech for this show. So I guess you got to be the tech, the more technical one of the, right. uh, the kind of works. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So Dan, I'm going to ask you what, uh, what's top of mind for you before we get into any like subjects and anything like that? Uh, well, uh, that's actually a good question. I came in kind of with a blank slate, looking forward to having some fun with you guys. But I think if I was to say top of top of my mind still is, is unfortunately the, um, 
the situation in Ukraine right now. Um, I was just driving past um, yesterday. Uh, there was a Ukrainian Orthodox church and school in one of the suburbs in where I live, which I hadn't been to in a while, and I'd forgotten it was there. So I was thinking more about that um, and how things are kind of reignited there um, and how that's been kind of a stressful time for, for those of us who are potentially involved or could get potentially involved in everything. So, um, But also thinking about how it's, it's not just... It's not just obviously the primary attacks and the and the violence and everything going on, but just the fact that the country's getting really devastated as well. So um, it's a bit of a downer, but that's kind of what I've been thinking about a little bit more recently. But more locally, I've also been thinking about how it went from snowing on Monday until the 90s yesterday. <laughs> I was like, great, we got a we got a 36 hours spring, and now we're just going to be in full on summer mode and thinking about that. So those those are the two things on my mind. Very diametrically opposed there, but those are the that's going on. So yeah. I figure I figure both of those, and you know, the 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 situation of Ukraine and the ex the existential issues of ch climate change might be a, a good way to start talking about you know the value of anxiety support system. So well, maybe maybe you, a little bit of thematic there. How about I combine the two and let you know that there has not been this much human ash in our atmosphere since World War II. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and it isn't anything other than Ukrainian people right now, and or mm -hmm. Russian people from Ukraine, or mm -hmm. people that lived in Ukraine. That's just a devastating thing to think about. But that's the only way I could combine it. I'll tell you, my heart is in Mariupol, you know, and mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen to those people, but it's going to drastically affect the way I feel about Russian people generally, and more specifically, the Russian government. Like, Mm. I, that lady that died in the uh, crawling out of the hospital the pregnant lady that had me and i was like there's no going back but if you're just going to seal those people off in mariupol and make that a monument i don't know if i will ever respect the word russian again and that's that stinks that stinks <laughs> it is it is really hard for sure and i think it's i think it's difficult to see as well i think the uh, what's also frustrating as well is that you know, I've obviously seen this a lot of people in, uh, who have been trying to advocate and, you know, raise money or send over resources and everything. Um, but I think what's also kind of been frustrating is that on the American side, it seems to be because it's such a hot button issue. A lot of people are trying to kind of personally take advantage of it and say, oh, well, we're going to do this or whatever. And we stand with Ukraine. It's like, no, stop with the performative activism. Like, if you're going to do something awesome, we'll support you. But don't right. just write, you know, there was a restaurant I went to a couple weeks ago um and there was an extra line that they had printed it's like you know here's your bill here's the line for your tip and here's an extra line for ukraine add some money there and total it's like no you're you're not sending this money to ukraine come on like right. don't 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 kid yourself don't try to kid us into thinking that you're going to just be taking out and if so where, where are you going to spend it who's going to be involved and i think right. it's a, i think it kind of ties into the fact that there's a lot of performative activism that happens in this country about a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. And I think we don't have enough voices for entities that and organizations that actually do constructive and productive work. And everyone just tries to jump on the bandwagon. So I think one way that we can kind of reflect on that in our society is not, I mean, we can obviously feel sad and sorry and frustrated about the situation going on, but we can also think about ways that we can improve our ability to mobilize American resources to help people. And it can help start in our own backyard. Right, we can mm -hmm. we can do things better, but a lot of that also is based on the exchange of information. 
so that's kind of that's kind of where I'm thinking about all of this, where it's hitting close to home is the feelings, but also bandwagoning and how we can prevent that and and be a little bit more judicious about it. Like there's a there's a guy here in Olympia. He runs a he runs a, a couple of food shops in town, and you know COVID had everything shut down for him. And right as he was about to open, a sewer main burst, and you know his his shop was just basically completely ruined. They had to gut the whole thing. And right as you know, right as they're still working through you know all the legal stuff, trying he's trying to get fixed. You know the war in Ukraine breaks out, and the guy's like. I make food. This is what I do. And he just up and left for uh, Poland to r- help run a kitchen out there uh, in order to, you know, feed refugees coming across the border into Poland. And so like there's, it's, it's been, it's been really interesting when you talk about performative activism, because you see, you see this in a wide range of results. You, you've got people who are, you know, trying, you know, saying, you know, I stand with Ukraine. They do all the hashtags, all the pictures and everything else. But, you know, there's not really a whole lot else that's going into those, you know, just just those hashtags. And it's great to show support. But, you know, like you said, you know, there's a number of different performative acts that we've seen and we've seen time and time again. You know, even for me, it's like, you know, even I've questioned, you know, if if and when this is over, you know, I feel like there's something that I want to slash need to do. And I'm trying to figure out what that is, is, you know, do I go over and volunteer some time for a couple of weeks to, you know, help out one of the communities out there and help them clean up and rebuild? Um, what, what can I do, you know? And, and, and then of course, you know, I've got, you know, any number of different posts and things going through of, you know, how people are, I'm going to go volunteer with the Ukrainian military. It's like, you have zero (laughs) training. You are a liability. It's like, I'm armed to the teeth and there's no way in hell I'm going over there to, to volunteer my time. Why? Because I don't know dick about combat or running security. That's, walking around with a gun is not not going to have this you know not going to be the help that you need it what they need is trained people that know what they're doing if you're not that you're a liability yeah i get a lot of um i would have joined the military but i would have punched my drill sergeant by yeah these people hell you would have and yeah and there are some people who've gone over who have the experiences a lot of veterans who have you know made the decision to volunteer and i fully respect them for it and everything absolutely Uh, and it's also important to consider the greater um socio-political context of it right what happens when russia kills an american soldier with an american flag because they all wear it i don't know i don't know if they all do but a lot of the international members of the regiment they're setting up wear a flag of their home regiment now what happens yep. if one of them gets killed in combat now the russians are like hey the united states military is in this you know it's important to con- and it's it's really hard to think about mm-hmm. those difficult things because you want to go over and help but it's mm-hmm. trying to find that balance is really difficult um socio it's like politically and thinking of the bigger picture it's like how much good can i do as a fighter on the front lines versus being a baker who can go over and help prepare food or you know, volunteering with a more reputable organization that's setting up a, a larger mission, right? It's it's important to make those those decisions. And I like what you're saying about I need I want to do something, but I'm trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just kind of rush into the first opportunity they get and just get overwhelmed with it and realize that they're either they don't end up doing any anything productive or they end up like you said actively harming or being a liability. Um, and we've seen this again um, issues with COVID. Um, with emergency staffing, people volunteering to join like the medical reserve corps, not having any experience, um, 
previous conflicts, you know, look at everything that happened with the Red Cross in Haiti in 2011, all those billions of dollars that happened and there was no plan. And then like what, six homes got built with the billions of dollars that were donated. Yep. Right. Oh, yeah. There's, there's all kinds of issues, not just, you know, there's snakes in the grass, obviously, but there's also programs that do not have good surge plans. Right. So oh. how do we, how do we increase our staff by 600% quintuple our budget in two weeks and not completely fold as an organization? Right. And that's, that's, right. A, that's a huge challenge in these emergencies. And it, it, it's, I think we focus a lot of preparedness. Like that's a little bit of my background is like emergency response and preparedness. Right. We focus a lot of it on what do we need to do in order to respond to something when we are affected, but also on the flip side, what do we do with all the stuff that we get? Because mm-hmm. if we get the publicity, we get the profile, how do we manage those extra logistics? Right. Um, and I think a lot of people think of emergencies as we are out of supplies, but sometimes you can have too many supplies and not, not know yeah. what to do with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of where I'm thinking about that. I think, I think we've learned that we can just throw money at everything and anything. And so we just throw money anywhere and everywhere. But if we if we could think of long term solutions, more like investing in a Peace Corps, you know, instead of throwing our money into that, maybe investing in something like the Peace Corps, or as we can for Ukraine, we will we will promote organizations that we've looked into that benefit Ukraine and not the infrastructure to collect the money to give a portion of it to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really good point. I like that a lot, and focusing on entities that really give good training right. and earmarking money for training of personnel because that's so often overlooked right people will get all kinds of supplies yep. donate all kinds of cash but earmark it for you know training of x individuals to do this right there's a right. lot of nonprofits that have to by law follow what those d- donations do right um, and that's a really commonly overlooked issue and if you if you're mm-hmm. able to force money in that direction knowledgeably that can do a that can that can pay dividends many times over much more so than just you know sending a can of soup to your local soup kitchen mm-hmm. nothing wrong with local soup kitchen of course but you know there's there's ways to use your money more judiciously and more effectively to get more bang for your bucks in some cases quite literally right mm-hmm. yeah just do a, a lot of research and due diligence on and where the money's going or where you're what you're doing if it's needed and when it's needed most. Mm. And I, I think that's what a lot of people lack is just sitting down and doing a very good research around that. It's very easy, convenient to just give money to the right. to somewhere, right? right? And then and then feel good about it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true for, for like new startups and, and new emerging businesses that kind of grow, right? They can have a massive influx of cash, but without the logistics to handle it, they can often fold. That actually happened to a yeah. company I, I recently worked with and it actually went under mm. because they had a huge investment and then they just didn't, were not able to reorganize their, their infrastructure. So uh, I'm, I'm curious of how this relates to Karen's experience of the ear kick, right? You know, having, having additional resources come up, how do you, you know, manage and support that work for yourself as you're starting to gain this publicity? That's a great question. Yeah, it's a very good question. It starts with, again, uh, due diligence and doing your homework. So it, we we made sure that we had a very good 18-month plan and planned out how much money we actually really need. And then you raise that and not more. Because more money can become a problem very, very fast. Um, it's a liability. <laughs> and you, if you, you know, if you don't have 
a clear plan on what you're going to spend that money on, um, then it's going to be in your way. As an example, like uh, we we closed uh, the round at one million and started working because for us, it was so important to start working and to start hiring. We knew that we were up against the big companies in terms of talent. So we knew that if we want to uh, hire a very, very good um, machine learning engineer, that we were up against Amazon, Apple, and you know Facebook. They're all in Zurich too, um, and so we knew it. It could take anywhere between you know three and a month and a year to find the right person, and it did take longer. So now imagine uh, raising more money. More money is not going to get you the right person, right. and then you sit on that money. And, and, and your plans go, you know, go wrong because the bottleneck is not the money. The bottleneck is the talent. And that's why we did not raise more. And we, we started working and we started looking for the right people. Thank God we found the right machine learning wizard, uh, Gagan, uh, amazing guy. He did, he's, he's working for the cause. He's, he, has a, he has a PhD. He's exactly the right mindset, but it took time. You know, mm -hmm. not money. It took time. <laughs> Interesting. I would think with yeah. uh, Facebook and Twitter's reputations and <clears throat> going downhill, a lot of these people would be abandoning ship for smaller independent projects like yours. You, you would know? really not necessarily. Right. I, yeah. Know, <laughs> money is money, right? <laughs> money is money, and, and and that's the thing is, is like you know, it it really takes somebody who is who you know, money is important. Don't get me wrong, but you also have to believe in, in the, the values, the company values of what you're getting. And yes. a lot of the times finding that individual that has the skill set, but also believes in the mission to the Passion, point of, yeah. you know, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm one of those people like, you know, I, do I like money? Yeah. Would I work for a larger company? It really depends on what it, yeah. what it is I would be doing. Right. But at the same totally. time too, like I like working for the smaller guys because there's a mission focus there. That's more on community than on just providing a service. And so that's, it's a really tough one because right. at some point, you know, I, you know, we all have our price, whether we want to admit it or not, yes. but at some point, point but but depending on what you're doing and depending on what your situation looks like sometimes that price is really high sometimes that price is not as high as you'd like it to be but if you find the right thing that sparks i mean for lack of a better word sparks joy in what you're doing yeah. sometimes it's a lot easier to sacrifice the money because you have something that you know holistically fits with your value system Karen's looking yeah. at you like she wants to hire you now just because you said that. <laughs> well, he's well, absolutely you know, right. I mean, you know I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind coming <laughs> over to, to Switzerland. I, I mean, my German, my German isn't as good as I'd like it to be, but I can still speak a bit. I can still understand. You, no, uh, we only speak English, and uh, people live wherever they want. We have we have a almost zero uh, meeting culture, so no meetings required. You can live wherever you want, and uh, the people who work for us. They don't even have to report hours or anything. They just need to work, be focused, and 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 take enough breaks, stay mentally healthy, and they get money if they take vacations. They get money if they take vacations. So because we know exactly what takes what it takes to keep someone well, uh, engaged, and honest. And Why? to your point before, there we had the we had at least two talents 
really, really, everything was great about their CV and et cetera. But they were earning 800K a year. And it's not like they wouldn't settle in for less. But 800K is nowhere near what we can pay and what we want to pay. Because again, money, anyone can do money. Mm -hmm. But if you hire someone that chooses you for the money, he's going to leave you for the money. So, um, you know, it wasn't a fit because they had also, I mean, they they have a house, then they have their children in college and whatnot. So they have gotten themselves into a situation where they cannot just, you know, leave and and, and settle for a startup um, salary, right? right. So it didn't work out. We had to find the right person in the right situation with the right mindset and the right set of skills and that just takes time and it's not a matter of money if we, right. if we even if we had those 800,000 a year it wouldn't have worked out because it's the wrong incentive it's the wrong situation we need someone hungry young right. with all their you know like with the future in front of them you know who wants to experience not someone who's had it all seen it all done it all they're anybody not going to be can, hungry enough. Anybody can come in for a half a million a year and monetize yes. your app to the point of yeah. non-use, right? But you want somebody that's going to develop the app over the profits so that yes. in long term, you have something consistently profitable as opposed to just instantly profitable and then goes away. I like Yeah, that. we want to keep the team. You know, if, if you add the right person, it's like adding $2 million of worth of value mm. to your company. So you better choose well (laughs) i I, i'm i'm a a late millennial i won't date myself explicitly but i do have a number of friends who are like right on the cusp between like millennial age and and starting to have and gen z Mm -hmm. and i think it's really interesting the way that you're framing this because it's it reflects a lot of what kind of the changing values about employment by young people are especially in like the the what is the it's not the great recession what are we calling it now like great resignation great resignation thank you right a lot and i i was part of this right i i ended up leaving a company because you know they they did a a lot of great lip service to oh we want to have a good work-life balance and all this stuff and everything and i'll do that now and then it's there's a real difference between saying oh I we want to do this and be like, no, this is how it's going to happen. This is what we know. Let's listen to our base and see what we want to have as a company culture. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, a lot of us in um in the 20s range who are like early career, the number one phrase that I keep hearing from my friends and my peers uh, about why they didn't like jobs or what's frustrating about them is like, I wish that there was more impact. I wish there was more value behind what I did, right? Yeah, we yes. are we are increasingly valuing jobs that aren't just, you know, you know, turn the crank, get the money, do the thing, right? We mm-hmm. we want we want impact. We want to have our time be made material. And it's like this just sounds really cheesy, but you know, like the E equals MC squared equation, like energy and mass, like ma- energy is potential and mass is energy made real. It's like time and money are almost the same thing. It's like money, money is p- time with potential and time is money made real, basically, right? right? And I think that's a balance that is really shifting very quickly in the age of instant information that we're in. And it's a very, it's the, the a lot of established entities 
companies and corporate and corporate businesses just have not caught up to really they think oh yeah we can do this no you have to really understand that and build your company from the ground up to attract young people to really want to work for you okay. that's just my perspective but i would love to hear just karen's stay. opinion like as the as a you know, totally. directing this great i really want to hear from your if whether or not you agree disagree if this is your experience i totally agree and you know uh, in when i was still managing director of impact up uh, zurich we were battling with this problem because uh, we wanted people to we we wanted people to stay, um, and they you know the Gen Z Gen the, that generation, they came in and you know with the old fashioned kind of offering them you know more pay or offering them the typical perks and they didn't care. They told me, look, I first of all I don't want to work hundred percent. I'm going to work 80% max and I want a sabbatical after a year and I want to have a title, a certain, you're like, not a title per se, but like, I, I want to own something. I project. want to tell my mom that I'm making progress and yes. part, of the, part of the profit is moving to Zurich. So I want time off to enjoy that. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take less money to be less responsible, but to be in Zurich and tell my mom that I live in Zurich with a title. <laughs> Right. Well, but that's yeah. that's so that's so true. You're so right yeah. about that. I really like what you say about ownership. Like you you can decide what you want to do, but give something, make it your own, have it be there. Mm -hmm. Like I am responsible yeah. for this, right? My last job that I left, I had a twenty-five percent raise from the previous job I had. I left it after like nine or ten months because they did not let me have ownership. And I said, let me try to do this. I offered again and again. I have all these great ideas. I want to try to push for this. I want to create this product. Give me again and again and again and again. And they said, okay, we'll take that into consideration. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm just, again, just turning a crank, yeah. writing a report, giving yeah. it to somebody else. I was working remotely and had great flexibility, but what was the point? I didn't have anything that was mine. I didn't have right. the impact. There was nothing that was like the damn stamp on that thing. Yeah. So I, I really, it really is great that you're, you're reflecting a lot of that in, in, in your hiring practices and your corporate philosophy. We have to, you know, like, it's not, it's not a convenience. It's like, we have to, nobody is going to come if we, if you don't change, uh, you know, the, the, the working culture to something different, that something that suits uh, this talent pool, right. it's just not going to work. And money is the least problem. Uh, it's other things. Again, you know, we, we ha had to hire engineers. And for them, having a zero meeting culture was, was what made them apply, right. not the money. It was also the mission, but also knowing that they're not going to spend half the time in some, you know, meetings um, pretending yep. that they're interested, right? So we, we have a very specific way of communicating. We use Loom, we use Slack, we use a few tools. Um, and our engineers can, you know, they can focus all day. They can work. We don't care when they work, as long as they kind of, you know, they 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 react when there is really something. Yeah, um, as that long we as need everything to... works, get the, I don't care yeah, when. Get the job done when it needs to be done. <laughs> yes, and it can be as asynchronous, you know. And right. what is most, what what really keeps us on the floor is uh, we have a, a a fourteen year old hired. Um, she's she still goes to school, and the way she thinks about purpose and working and all of that is very different so she uh i mean she we we have her because she she she's been suffering from anxiety panic attacks since she was nine so she's an expert and the way she looks at the world and what she wants and what is value to her is so different right. and that's going to be the kind of person 
that we're going to hire uh, and people are going to hire um, in a few years. That's going to be the working force. So we learn from her what what is actually an incentive uh, to people and not, you know, not promote things that people don't want just because it was fashionable 20 years ago when I was around, maybe that, that worked, but Gen Z is totally different, totally different. They don't need a 401k. They just want the experience and then they'll move to another experience. I feel, I think we've given up on the concept that a 401k, like the depressing thing. And I'm sure I'd love to hear about this, but there's a certain lack of belief in long-term investment in mm-hmm. our generation because we think well in 20 years you know the sea levels are going to rise there's probably going to be a nuclear holocaust and the the rich are going to own everything so what's the point of, of saving my money till i'm 65 because i'm going to be dead by 40. right, right? Yeah. there's a lot of that kind of resignation people don't really want to acknowledge it but i hear a lot of that in the humor of the mid to late millennials and the older gen z yeah and it's kind of disturbing and it's it's something that we need to recognize <laughs> for many many reasons. But one of the 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 perhaps the more utilitarian methods is you know employment, right? You definitely want to give people a chance to invest and in, and have their assets grow and everything. And you have to recognize the 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 moral philosophical changes that have happened in our generation that are so fundamentally different from the people who are you know executive management CEO in the boardroom level, because again everything all this communication this evolutionary philosophy has accelerated so much in the age of the in age of social media, and we're using platforms like TikTok that most people don't even. Either not, I don't say no, most people don't even know exist, but just write off as, oh, this is a stupid little app. It's like, no, there's a, there are huge yeah. communities that are happening and building. And if you just forget or ignore them because, oh, that's just what the young people are doing, look what the young people are going to be the future. You might as well start listening to them. So it's interesting. So, so what's the, what's the work life balance of a 14 year old who works at Ear Kick and then goes right. to school? So she basically, she, she goes to school. She can't um, go to school fully because of, uh, of her anxiety uh, mm-hmm. and, and um, depression that sometimes still hits her. Um, and so she works, we have, like, we have a call with her every week um, and she works at her own pace um, and she's required to just, you know, be herself. And that's not as easy as it sounds, <laughs> know, but right? everything that we do and decide we show to her and she needs to be very focused then and and really be herself and try to understand how she you know like she really feels about it not what we want to hear but what she really feels about and that's her work um she actually she's quite wise about taking breaks and and not working um she does cancel the the call if uh, if there is something that that she can handle at that moment okay. uh the, the only thing we require and she requires is a good communication and we do it again asynchronous uh via slack slack um and once in a while you kind of have to see each other physically if possible i mean People in the Ukraine, unfortunately, can't um, join our retreats. Um, and what she also needs is to be treated like a grown-up, and we do that. I mean, we, we're aware that she's 14, but uh, in many things, she's very grown-up, and she wants to be treated as a grown-up in that yeah. moment. And, and I always speak to her. expectation, right? Totally. I always speak to her grown-up person. I, like, I, I speak to what I think and believe she will become. I speak to the the grown-up Ella. Mm-hmm. And it's it's wonderful to 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 have this vision about her 
and what she can become. And, and uh, we, we try to foster this, this ambition also in our younger uh, employees that they can found too, they can be entrepreneurs. We're not going to be in their way. So for them, it's not, a, oh, I have to stay, you know, this and this many years. No, no, no. This is your apprenticeship if you right. make it that. And if it, the time comes to go, then we'll work it out together and uh, we'll help you, you know, on your next step. Uh, and that has worked out very well with all my uh, younger employees uh, back in my last job to really make yourself a sparing partner rather than like the boss who's, you know, trying to gauge whether you're applying somewhere else. That's not right. going to work. They're so <clears throat> smart. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> in all my years of working in, I went through secondary school. I worked uh, as a, a youth uh, sports official in college. I worked in multiple research labs and other jobs. And obviously since I graduated college, I've worked several other jobs too. In all of my early career experience i have never once been told by an employer or a supervisor to be myself now you said that waste. you said that you were like oh yeah we want her to be herself right that's like yeah, yeah so be who you want me to be it's like no i'm i who i am i i very firmly identify as like being the proactive idea guy who wants to create things and and come in and not say you're doing it wrong but say let's do other cool things as well and yeah. that has always 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 been suppressed in all of my time working in an early career, in my early career. And it's been so frustrating to see because everyone in my generation, I don't say everyone, but lots of people in my generation feel the exact same way, right? We want totally. to be engaged. We want people to say, what do you think, Dan? I'm eerie, let's, what, what ideas do you have, right? And, and to hear you talking about that is so refreshing, but <laughs> also a little bit sad because it seems like such an obvious concept that is so fundamentally missed and then all these companies are like well we we're we're offering them an extra raise and all this extra I mean, no, they're not coming to employ why don't why don't they want to work at chipotle right well mm. i mean what kind of company culture do you have are you going right. to just tell them to sit down and shut up and work or are you going to say hey let's mm. let's see what we can do to make this work and it's like sometimes you can't do that with all your jobs but the the great resignations happening in that demographic of jobs where people could be engaged better and they are being told no you're going to do it my totally way. like it right. you know the the funny thing about uh, she asked me why she should do that and i said ella <laughs> this is the only time you're going to be 14 because next year you're going to be 15. So my only chance to understand a 14 year old is now. So you have to be yourself. Don't try to be someone else. Right. right. And, and that applies to, uh, I, I was working with an activist in my last um, uh, job and people tried to forge her into another role, be more like a consultant, uh -huh. but they're missing out on her best part. You know, activists like in their twenties, they're so strong. I mean, they come to work, they have this immense, you know, passion about they're never going to be like that again. When they hit 30, 40, they're just a different person. They're, they're a different package. <laughs> and you only get that package <clears throat> once. If you don't use it, screw you, really. <laughs> right. Fair. There's an expiration date on youth that I don't think people pay enough attention to. 
Yeah. At some point we die in the side and we just go with what's working, you know, instead of fucking the system. That's interesting to me. And like you keep talking about the great resignation. I was talking to my friend and I said, it wasn't 10 million jobs. It was 2 million people getting a job, quitting, getting a job, quitting, getting a job, quitting, because I don't think employers are changing the way you are. I think they, they think they know they have to, but they just cannot treat employees like the ecosystem that they are. They think that employees are interchangeable and a new one at a lower cost can do the same thing if pushed hard enough as the one that with experience they let go, you know? I'd like to hear the, the thoughts of the group on this, right? I'm just start, starting to come to this realization now because this like the, the, the mental juices flow so well when I'm on this show and I really appreciate <laughs> yeah. the value about that, right? But you think about, so let's think about what, you know, employment culture was, right? Back in the era, and I know, international company based in switzerland everything different story but as an american i'll talk about like the american dream of the like the nice colonial house with the white picket fence and the stability and all that stuff right that was the motivator because it was feasible back from the 50s through the 80s whatever that's really not possible anymore if you just look at the basic economics of, of what the late millennials and gen z are facing right. we're not gonna have that we don't have that motivation to say well if you just knuckle down and just do this x job that's kind of menial and you sh shift papers from, from one tray to another tray you can go home and you know really enjoy this wonderful house and this wonderful stability and this permanent luxury that you have of you know having right, access to healthcare, having a good mortgage, not being defaulting right. on your debt and being able to have free time, right? We don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. So you can't just say, turn the crank and you'll make money because there's no guarantee for us that, oh, well, we will go buy this house. I'm sorry, I, I, average house in my neighborhood right now is what, $700,000, you know, and people are buying them like at 25% markup because of this housing bubble that we're in. You can't go to me by saying, oh, if you do, do this for 20 years, you get a house. No, that's not what happens. So what motivates young people is not the material gains from menial labor. It's right. the value that is intrinsically entwined into this. the work that they do. And that's why millennials and Gen Z say, I want impact. I want impact. No job has had impact in this, in this great resignation sector because it didn't have to because the, the money promised the impact outside of work. But that impact outside of work is just not a reality for most millennials anymore. So I, I, that's my hypothesis, but I'd love to hear what you guys think. It's the All same right. actually in Europe and Switzerland. So it, no difference here. Uh, people can't afford a house, uh, young people. Forget it. It's like not possible. Yeah. Go ahead, so, Jeffrey. <laughs> this is this is where it's going to get fun, and I think I think what we're missing here is historical context. You know, in the in in the fifties, you have to remember that whole dream of of the the house with the white picket fence. You're looking at a group of people who's who either lived through the Great Depression or whose parents lived through the Great Depression in a time of great instability. And so because of that great instability during that time and the fact that you could not find anything stable for work and, you know, you looked at, you know, if you had work, it was more like day laborer status. Up until the point where you end up in the war, all of this great instability that you had leads to this strange appreciation for stable but oftentimes, quote unquote, meaningless work. It wasn't that you had these people that were, you know, not going to have ideas or didn't want to buck the system. It's that they lived through enough instability that when they finally found it, they were perfectly fine with staying in these very stable, but 
very dead end jobs. And that was how they made their system work for them during that time period. They lived through so much upheaval and chaos that the idea of just having something that was going to be there tomorrow and the day after, the month after, the year after, that for them was security. And the problem is, is that, you know, for our generation, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm at that weird cross section where, you know, I'm a millennial, but I'm closer towards Gen X. In a yeah, lot you're of like ways. an earlier millennial. I'm a later millennial. Yeah, exactly. And so like, you know, even, you know, like Gen Z, there's a lot that, you know, happen to relate with, you know, for us, it's like that idea that you could have stability has not been present for us. Ever since I've gotten out of school, it has been completely unstable. You know, between, you know, you had the dot-com bus, you had the you had the auto industry go down, you had uh, the financial okay. crisis, yeah. the global financial crisis, and we've moved from instability to instability to instability, and for us, the value system has changed. We don't, you know, we're not used to stability at this point because we're so used to these large corporations taking advantage of us and dumping us off when they're, when they've used us mm -hmm. that we don't have the same value system that the older generation does. We're used to the idea that somebody's going to use us. And then when they're done with us, kick us to the curb. And now for the first time in my adult life, that has been flipped on its head. And now these companies are coming after me because they can't get anybody in the door. Because mm -hmm. we're all done and with I'm, them. And I'm fucking over them because <laughs> yeah. I would rather do something with somebody else who's felt in a, felt themselves in a similar way and actually focus on community and actual needs to drive actual impacts yeah. rather than these organizations that have been around and turned and burned people use them up and spit them out and i can say good riddance to them their business model does not work anymore nope. for me because my value system has seen how they have used up people like me and spit them out once they didn't want didn't fit right. their idea of what should happen they mm -hmm. you know they they didn't I, they either didn't want to innovate or they didn't want to focus the on actual... they didn't know how they didn't know how and it's, you know what i want to add that the pandemic gave us all a chance to live on almost nothing because we couldn't get out to get anything so we learned to live on almost nothing and now companies want to pay us nothing and we're like we can survive at home on that and you without know? and and also the pandemic took away a lot of our um the activities that gave us meaning right <laughs> and so we were not we were told to go home and live with nothing and also do nothing so we right. had a lot of time to reflect on what we cared about mm -hmm. and this is kind of the, the the emergence of that so so karen what do you think um i agree with with what you say i i made another observation as well with the gen z um folks um so whenever I interview people, um, in, unless they have to do an, a technical interview, which would be with someone else, I try to find out what their passion is and where their heart is and what, if possible, their bucket list is. Uh, because it tells you a lot. Um, and what I've observed is that they, um, quite a number of, of uh, Gen Z folks they want to go travel, not, not for leisure or, you know, for whatever, making selfies as people sometimes think they want. They say to me, 
I want to see the world while I still have it. Uh-huh. I want to see nature while I still, you know, ex- while it exists. I want to see, I don't know, the glaciers while they're still everything. there. Because the future and is that, bleak after that point, right? Right. Correct. And that I'm not going to wait until like I have enough money. I can survive on couch surfing. I have this plan, you know, like I'm going to do this. And I am not going to do this in a rush in three weeks. I want you to give me half a year or a year of sabbatical within my yeah, you know, uh, contract so that I, that I can do that. And that's how I found out how, how utterly important it is for mm-hmm. people that we hire, that they can work from wherever they want. They can work from the beach if they want. They can be yeah. on the road. If they get their stuff together, if they have a plan and they're organized and structures to some extent, and if they stay mentally healthy, I'm fine, you know, and some of them, um, so the traveling part and experience, they want to live like they're thirsty for life and, 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 you know, doing things that they have read about, uh, they want to experience it themselves. They don't want to accumulate a a ton of stuff. Right. And that's that's important. They don't want to accumulate a lot of possessions. Not at all. Cars, forget it. You know, pictures, tables, lamps, they don't care. (laughs) No, they, they, yes, they will go to a concert that they believe in, Mm -hmm. or they will do things that they believe in, uh, in terms of, um, nature trips or whatever. Um, but it's not going to like, you know, get a car and then a washing machine in an apartment. Not, it's not that. Um, and the other thing is that they, um they have uh, how shall i say they they have a, a a clear idea of of let's say a project or a big thing that they want to do and if when you talk with them about it it becomes clear that they have a, a maybe a black and white um picture of it but they don't quite see the colors yet mm-hmm. and the job is to never doubt their their picture but to you know, have their back and to help them feel those colors without making them feel, you know, naive or inferior, which they are not. Right. And that that they they want this kind of leadership. They don't want you to kind of tell them, okay, now you have to sweat your way off or something. They want you to be a good and guiding sparing partner and if you feel during the interview that you're not going to be able for whatever reason to be that sparing partner don't hire them because you're not doing yourself a good favor you're not doing them a good favor they're you're both going to suffer uh and that's 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 a lesson i had to learn i had to let go of people early um because of that and I'm glad I did for their sake and for my own sake of course and I'm getting better at it but it's still like you can't listen at enough to them. They will give you all the clues. You know, if I could, I would tape, I would voice record it to, to listen over and over because in that interview, they will give you all the cues, right. consciously or unconsciously. They do. And yeah. that's the magic about it. And that's why I believe in that, uh, in that um, generation, even though you know, people say they have a lot of flaws and they're lazy and they're mm-hmm. entitled and all that stuff. They are so well researched. They will know everything about your company before they even set up an interview. You know? What they need is that we believe in it, in them, and that right. we kind of color their vision um, and, and not judge them for, let's say, only using a few colors. 
because they can easily grow into it. <laughs> right. They don't know green exists until they're shown green. And then yeah. when it when they add it to their picture, they see it in a whole new way. And now they want to know what, what purple and orange are, you know? Yes. <laughs> and that's how you grow a real leader. Mm -hmm. How yeah. you grow, I mean, they can they can lead at 30. It's not a problem at all. They can even yeah. lead earlier, but you you have to guide them and you have to give them the responsibility very early when they're still making mistakes and that's right. the beauty of it let them make mistakes they yes. learn so fast and it's not a you may you need to make it very clear i want you to make the mistakes now not later <laughs> right that's really my like whole that. theory on parenthood if you just let your kids make mistakes till they're 18 they won't make those mistakes after 18 you know some will I, but yes generally yes right <laughs> I, one thing that, that I picked up on, and I, I feel like I'm falling into a pattern of catching one word from each of Karen's answers, right? Um, <laughs> but the concept of partnership, right? That's an, another philosophical evolution that's happened in the last 10-ish mm. years that a lot of companies haven't come up. Before, a lot of it was, you, uh, I give you money and you do this work, right? Yeah. That's that, that sector of employment will always be there from, you know, people who come in and, and pressure wash your your front driveways. Like, I will give you money to pressure all the, all the contract work, all the, I, I hate using yeah. the term blue collar because it seems demeaning, but the service that industrial industry. work, right, is is really the service industry that's there, right? right. But again, the, the demographic that the great resignation is getting hit most by are the people who working in jobs where they want that partnership that Karen's talking about, right? Right. I want to come in right? and I have I have my experience, I have my perspectives, I'm younger, I don't have everything figured out. I know I don't have everything figured out. And by the way, I the don't have baggage of habits I, either, you know. And I, I don't need you to tell me that I don't have everything figured out. Thank you very much. Right. But I do have interests and I have goals and I have uh, dreams and things like that. And I want to try and conceptualize something just like Karen was talking about. Like, you know, can can I try this out with your work? Mm -hmm. And if employers and supervisors embody more i think the the phrase that that is you know the the type of leadership very like a transformational servant leadership model yeah uh, you know, that's 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 kind of the buzzword for it but how can i support you person who is technically my subordinate but i want to work with you as a partner right, right. as opposed to my person who does this thing you know she does this for me i she he does this for me i make the money and i represent it up right now having that co-equal partnership is something again that just is culturally we're behind the times in kind of the 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 white collar class of work and people like Karen are picking up on the change that needs to happen, but it's not happening fast enough because late millennials and Gen Z are pushing that change by saying, no, I'm not working for you anymore because you, right. you're not yeah. providing me this, right? I can speak firsthand multiple times over. I've had multiple jobs where I've not been seen as a partner and I wanted to be. And mm -hmm. people say, oh, you just need to manage your own expectations of yourself. Literal verbatim quote. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go this way. And that happens to be yep. the door. Goodbye, mm -hmm. right? Um, and yeah. I have, I have, I did quit my last job at 4.30 p.m. on a Friday, effective immediately with no day's notice because wow. it was just, I was done with them. And they, they actually had the audacity to laugh at me after they deliberately did not invite me to a meeting about a, a topic that I had created and wanted to push forward. And they decided to deliberately cut me out of the meeting because I wasn't mm -hmm. high ranking enough. So they took my idea and they were like, oh yeah, the senior people talked about it and you weren't there because you weren't old enough or weren't senior, senior enough. Okay. Oh gosh. Thanks for talking about right. on Wednesday. I'm gonna hold off until Friday afternoon. I don't care. I don't have another job lined up. But ah, uh, 4:30 on a Friday. Oh, you want to have a meeting with me, HR? 
boom, here's my letter of resignation effective immediately. There you go. Right. Yeah. So, and it's all based again, on this fact that Dan would outshine anyone else in that meeting, get <laughs> notice, and suddenly all the managers that didn't want to put in the work to be better would find themselves without a job because people that want to work are always better than people that don't. But for some reason, management always consists of the people that failed upwards. And then they protect them, their jobs by denying people below them. It's so, it's so stupid because, I mean, you are oh. supposed to hire people that are smarter than you. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I do all day, right? Hire people that are smarter than me. And when they come in the door, you should treat them as that, you know? I'm not saying they're more experienced and that they're smarter. That's why I hired them. It's something, so if they're not, not gonna, everything, yeah. something. <laughs> if we're right. not going to let them bring in their smartness in full, right? The right. whole package. I mean, why do you hire them? That's right. Exactly. And, and, and that's, that's been one of the biggest things that my generation and Gen Z have seen is, is that, yeah, okay, we get it. You know, we, mm. we don't necessarily come in with all of the experience, but when we propose ideas and we get laughed at, and then suddenly like three months later, they're like, Hey, you know, that idea, right. I've got this idea. And it's like, I was just talking to you about that and you fucking laughed at me. Right. You know, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, even for my age, like most people, you know, like, oh, well, you don't have any management experience. I'm like, I have managed three multi-million dollar companies and I'm 36. So when you tell me that I don't have any management experience because I haven't managed at an organization, I'm going to laugh at you because I have managed more than most of your manager, your managers have. Mm -hmm. I have more education. I have different experience and I am more well-read on industry standards. And I don't fall under the, well, if we're just going to keep doing what we've always done now, that's where I expect the people who are more experienced and have more time in to say, okay, I like what you're doing. Here's the framework we have to work in. If you can figure out how to make this work within this framework, let's try it. But most of them are like, no, we're not going to do that. And then suddenly it's like, I've grown up with this. Well, you just have to make it seem like it's their idea. No, right. fuck you. It's my idea. <laughs> right. I don't want it to be somebody else's idea. I want somebody to support me Something in my idea. Fighting, by the way. <laughs> in order to help the company grow. Right. I own it. I am providing this as a method of getting myself further involved with the company. And what you're telling me is you don't want that involvement. Fine. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. I, I did. I did get the last laugh of my company because three and a half weeks after they quit, they sent an, uh, a notification to the, uh, the rest of the company that they were uh, going to be closing down, selling the company and 70% of them were going to get laid off. So evidently they didn't really know what they were doing. And I was the one who did have the ideas and they got rid of the idea guy. And, oh, well, um, but I think not your problem, yeah, not my problem anymore. <laughs> Shouldn't, shouldn't happen. I think it's also really interesting because um, um, you mentioned because uh, uh, Jason made the mention of it. This happened to women, and I I, I could definitely not yeah. speak to this because I'm not a woman. I'd love to hear Kenneth's perspective on this. But one phrase that I've heard a lot um, recently, so everyone has heard the term mansplaining, right? You know, the the mm -hmm. I am I am the man, you are the woman. You you clearly don't know. Like you you have a PhD in clinical psychology. I'm going to explain to you what Pavlov's dog is because you clearly don't know what that is, right? Um, but Another phrase I've heard a lot is called heapeating, which is a uh, female employee comes up with a great idea, male employee takes it, says it verbatim, 
and all of a sudden it's the the guy's idea and the and the female. Oh my god! Pronoun. Yep. The heap heating. I'm sure that's uh, Jeffrey. You've had that as a different experience, but I think that that specific that term is specifically for like the the context of sexism involved in it, as opposed to the concept of ageism or or mm-hmm. other profiling. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm I'm curious to hear Karen's perspective on on how you know the the gender stereotyping that's been so common in a lot of this work. Um, has been so, yeah, combated see, in your experience. Like, how have you how have you tackled that, especially in your executive role now? It has happened. Um, not in this uh, in my current job, obviously, because uh, we we still trying to get more women in. We have uh, a one wonderful Ukrainian, and and she she can you know we have this policy of twenty percent of your time you can you can use for something that you like. That you believe is good for the company, uh-huh. and it, it tends that like the ambience uh, mixer I was uh, telling you uh, before, um, uh-huh. that was built in those twenty uh, percent. So every every employee that wants to have those twenty percent and use them in a creative way can do that. So that means that if a woman came up with something, and I'm sure that uh, Natalia is going to do that, um, naturally it's going to be um, her ownership and, and her glory. But I, in my previous um, experiences, I have seen that play out. And uh, when the women came and complained to me, um, I, I first of all, I felt so sorry, um, but I encouraged them to write down everything. That, that, that was like the only tool I could tell them to do, to, to ha- you know, p- do a presentation, have everything in written, and make sure to have everyone on the same page that this was her, her idea and that uh, when it was and why it was, et cetera. It's a bit more work, but it covers your ass, as we say. Um, and um, it did work out. It did work out um, because I, I've seen that too. And I don't think that, you know, the male colleague was meaning bad. They just believed that it was their idea just because they have been, you know, talking about it with the female employee or colleague over a certain times and and women and i'm the same we seek for confirmation we seek for approval we seek for you know we want to have other people look at our ideas and kind of go yeah you know continue and i told all my female employees um and colleagues to just you know skits write it down put it on paper even if it doesn't look brilliant but put it on paper put a date on it and when time comes and somebody else claims the idea you have proof it's sad that we have to do it but that's that's how we did and it helped and most of the incident it did help it's something that even I've encouraged, um, not just for myself and some of my own ideas, but for, for many other colleagues who have ideas, is we got used to this idea. It's like, oh, hey, come and come to our open door and talk to us about anything. Right. And that has come back to bite us in the ass so many times mm-hmm. where we have this great idea. And, and much like Karen said, you know, we we go in, we we talk to this person about this idea that we have, we get poo-pooed on it and they're you know, like, oh, well, that's sorry, that's just never going to work. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly somebody is pitching our idea or we're implementing our idea, you know, my idea. And it's just like, no, like, why wasn't I involved in this? This was, this was something mm-hmm. that I came to. And so it's like, I have, I developed a habit of writing everything down. I have a, I have a physically written copy. I have an electronically written copy of what I have. And mm-hmm. I use email a lot to show where the idea came from. And 
if there's a problem where the company, you know, I go to the company and say, look, you know, I came up with this idea. Why wasn't I involved? And the company goes, well, you know, it came from your superior and, you know, we're just going to go with what they're doing. You don't need to be involved in this. So then I'm going to be like, all right, cool. This company does not value me. I'm out. And that's what Gen Z is doing. They're going, cool. This company does not value me and my input. I don't need to be here. They, va- they value the product you create rather than you as a person. Yeah, exactly. And and, yeah. and there's just no time left for that. They're like, fuck it. I can I can be point and click anywhere else. I can literally just stock shelves and yeah. not have to think. And nobody but wants I... to work for evil, by the way. You know, no. the more you start realizing your company takes shortcuts instead of bettering themselves, you realize they might be slightly evil and you don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> Karen yeah, is eager to jump in. The good, the good thing is, like, I had this case once, and and that that particular colleague, she left because she felt like, uh, you know, every idea she had was kind of not taken, but they ended up using it in another way. Mm. And I told her, look, if you are the source of the ideas, and you go away, you will see that there is, you know, that the source is not there anymore. So it, they will repeat and repeat the old ideas. Nothing new is going to come when you leave. Right. And that sh- shall be your revenge. And it was exactly mm-hmm. like that. Like for a year, no new ideas. And then they were like, oh, we got to hire someone new yeah. because I mean this. Yeah, right. So she knew that she was the source. It didn't help her job. Yeah. It didn't help. But it, you know, when I met with her, I said, see, when, when you are the son, and you are the one giving the light and the warmth, mm-hmm. and you're not credited for it. Remove yourself, and it will be cold and dark. Mm-hmm. Right. Ain't no revenge like success, right? <laughs> Living well is the best revenge. <laughs> I always say there's accountability. We just don't hang out long enough to see it. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Well, I I love what I don't even know who said it. Surrounding yourself with people smarter than you. That's been my philosophy all Karen, yeah. today. That was Karen. I love it. That's Hire what we, them. <laughs> that, that's what we try and do is get smarter people than me on here. <laughs> my goal is just to once in a while bring it back with a statement of obvious for the people like Ted Cruz that legislate below a third grade level. You know what I mean? But I love listening to you all talk about things that really matter like this. I think it's important for corporations to realize that employees need to be taken seriously. We want the responsibility. We want the pride, you know, and if you take Mm -hmm. that away from us, then we're going to go find it somewhere else for less money in a better place. Who doesn't want to go to work in Zurich and see Zurich? Like I wouldn't mind going here. I wouldn't mind working for home Depot in Zurich, but I wouldn't want to do it 80 hours a week so that I could never see Zurich. Right. So there's a balance there that I think millennials have that we older people just don't understand and so karen what i love about you is you honor that phrase ask a young person how to do it and then get out of their way and let them do it i really appreciate that about you and earkick earkick is a really great app and it continues to grow and evolve and you can use it in your own ways even though it might not originally have been set up that way and your input and inspirations will help the app to evolve and become better for everybody. And I think that's an amazing thing that we really need more of. And I love your independence from anything uh, bigger tech. You know, I love the independence of it, that you're not like just building something to be taken over by Facebook, you know, that's cool. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> She's like, well, gross. <laughs> Facebook. You. <laughs> Didn't say that, but. I, no, I did. I, I, mean, have, okay, I have I did. my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Oh, Facebook. Ew, gross. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, Dan, do you have any just the tips before we finish up? Um, I would say go for a walk when you can. I think it's really, it's in the, in the context of maintaining good mental health and all the things we've been talking about. I think one thing that I, especially when I was working remotely for this company that I just railed against in this podcast, right? Um, I found myself kind of trapped in my basement apartment with minimal light. Um, and there were days where I was like, what the hell's going on? What am I doing? What's my point of anything? And I just went out and went for a walk, even when it was really freezing cold. And going outside and breathing some fresh air and seeing life move around you is, is very comforting and coming back and having some kind of stability. And I think if you just go and take the time to deliberately walk away from your desk, from your laptop, from your place of work, whenever you get the chance, going outside, breathing some air and seeing other things happening besides people working is a, is a tremendous uh, boost to your mental health no matter where you are. So that's, that's, that's my recommendation. Just a tip. Go for a walk. Okay. Comes with a bag of goodies. It's really. <laughs> and that was part of our advice in our first episode. So I love that. Yes. <laughs> hey, Karen, what, how, about, how about you? Do you have a, just a tip for us? I just want to second Dan. Uh, it's, it's, again, I'm going to write about this because it's, it seems so simple. And why don't people do it? But it's really, it's your superpower. Go for a walk. Even five minutes around the block is going to make a difference. And, you know, Anyone who does it and doesn't feel any difference, call me. <laughs> yes. I love that. And Dan, anytime you're feeling that way, you have my phone number, please call me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, I don't I don't want anybody I love feeling that way. And I really love and respect all of you. So thank you for being here. I got Jeffrey's just the tip in the last episode. So is there anything you wanna any summation that you wanna offer, Jeffrey, before we go? You know, I think, I think everything that, you know, Dan has talked about, you know, what Karen has observed and, you know, is looking at, I think realistically companies that don't look at this, this information and, and see that if you don't involve the younger generation, you're not going to be the attractive place to work that you think you are. We've, a lot of us have gone beyond the point of money meaning everything for us. And we're tired of being treated as something we're just told to do. We want to make things better. And especially for the younger generation, they're louder about it than we ever were. And it's great. So the question is, is how do you take that excitement? How do you take that initiative that every company says that they want and actually put it into practice. Well, I'll tell you right now, you know, ear kick apparently is doing that, especially by working with, you know, someone who's 14 years old. Um, and if you don't, if you don't do that now, if you don't start to learn from that now, don't be surprised when you're not the, you, the, the number one employer that you claim to be. Yeah. Or if you don't enough, exist in 10 years. Exactly. Right. <laughs> there is enough diversity out there now that somebody is going to be able to get their needs fulfilled in employment, not just financially, but emotionally and mentally. And, and that's, I think, one of the strengths that I hope all of us take forward. 
Yeah, we will. Yeah, well <laughs> said. And now well that it's said. on the record, we can continue discussing. It. <laughs> <laughs> get a timestamp. Get a timestamp for that email. <laughs> I'm, always, yeah. I'm always hearing that in the news. Somebody does something four months after we talked about it on the show. And I'm like, we talked about that. <laughs> get a copy. Trademark it. Hours. Yeah. No. I don't care as long as it's getting out there. I would, I would hope every employer listens to this and says, I better learn from what I just heard before I'm forced to. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, again, you're the source. So as long as you know you're the source, you're the sun. Mm-hmm. People will have to come ask you. <laughs> this was fun. This was a really fun conversation. I appreciate one. it. I really love you guys. Y'all are great. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. Place. And I don't care how tough you are, they will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me or nobody, is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not yes, we can. what your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. My poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. To public, to public access, access America. America. Yes, we can. Sunday live stream Sunday time, live YouTube. Stream time. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad. On Twitter. On Twitter. Twitter. What? Apple Podcasts, Podcast. Stitcher, Smart Stitcher Radio, Smart Radio, Radio, Radio Public, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.